You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello and welcome to season two of the Guidepost. We have a super short edition right now, and we're going to announce our first winner for the comments contest. And again, send uh, send any comments from the podcast to comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. And if we read them on one of these, you will win an awesome prize from Costa Del Mar Sunglasses. Willie, what is the prize that this lucky individual is going to win today? The prize that this lucky individual is going to win, Tony, is the sunglasses of their choice from Costa Del Mar, which is a, a pretty damn good incentive, I think, to send in your questions and have us answer them here on the air. I'll tell you what, they've made permanent friends out of us for such offers. I can I can tell you that. So let's... Uh, All right, people, too. But yeah, the sunglasses don't hurt. No, the sun, I, I'll tell you, it's crazy, man. People want these sunglasses so bad. It's... um. You know, it's it's a huge bargaining chip uh, for for a lot of stuff that we do. So thank you, Costa. We appreciate your faith in us and your sponsorship. And if you don't wear Costa sunglasses, uh, your eyes may fall out of your head. Um, I read that in a recent scientific study. So let's get right into the email, Willie. Uh, this was sent to us from Robert Young. Robert Young is the winner from New Hampshire. Congratulations, Robert. Uh, we're going to notify you via email about your sunglasses of choice. And he wrote to us the other day, how y'all doing? Ha ha. I guess that was a shot at me. I don't think that was a shot at Willie. I heard the podcast from the Coastal Question Challenge and have been following Amendment 7 process as closely as I can. I'd like to express my gratitude for everything you're doing. On behalf of all fishermen that love to chase, chase striped bass, thank you. Well, you're welcome, Robert. We appreciate that. I'm I am committed to remain engaged on the topics at hand. As a recreational angler, I often find myself frustrated by the seemingly endless bureaucratic machinations performed by the commission. Let's just get to the point. Stripe bass are in trouble. Everyone knows it. Most want to do something about it before it's too late. Across all horizons, everyone wants to see a healthy population of the species, um, not just not just for coveted stripers. So what do we do? That's my simple question. What can the average recreational angler do to help foment positive change how can we be more effective what a great question willie what a great question a question deserving of a free pair of sunglasses i would say you're damn straight a, a free pair of sunglasses of mr young's choosing we're not sending him that that lower end stuff he's gonna be like he gets the he gets the cadillac version right so willie we've got a multi-part question what here. is it what is a recreational angler do? what is an average recreational angler do take it away sir oh god well i will take a first stab at it tony i think you probably have a, a view on this as well i mean the first thing that i would say that anybody needs to do if they want to foment positive change as robert puts it is to educate yourself. I think that's certainly what we try to do through these podcasts, through our blogs, through social media. Get informed on the issues. The, the, the least effective thing you can do is state lots of opinions without understanding what's going on, what decisions are at play, what, you know, what the science is saying, and really be a positive contributor to the process. That would be my first 
uh, piece of information is to educate yourself, arm yourself with the information you need um, to to a, be a constructive advocate uh, for conservation of striped bass and other species. And of course, at ASGA, you know, that's one of our main priorities, as I've said. Um, so hopefully we're doing a good job of that. Of course, always open to, to other suggestions or advice for uh, helping folks get the information they need. And I think, Willie, I think taking it to the next level is that once you kind of educate yourself on the issues by going to great blogs and websites like ours and attending the meetings, if you go to that next level, you know, they're always looking for logical, common sense, level-headed folks to join advisory panels and and committees and and other things that are a proving ground for let's say future commissioners you know i guess what i'm saying is try to be part of the process once you educate yourself on it um you know a big part of this i think is you know is as firebrand as we can be um a big part of this is is being respectful of uh, the staff of the commissions or the councils, because a lot of times they're in very unenviable positions, um, you know, and, 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 and developing relationships with them as well. Um, because again, they're always looking for people whose heart is in the right place and want to be part of the system. And that, that kind of brings me to my last point and Willie, you know, I'd love to hear your feedback on this. But my last point is don't be the goon who sits in the cheap seats and just lobs rotten fruit and, and runs away and hides after the meeting's over with or, you know, hops on social media and says how dumb everyone is and they have the solution for everything. You know, you have to be in it for the long haul. And, you know, it always gets, gets back to what we say on all the podcasts, like, uh, me and Willie and and John and and the rest of the team will, you know, we don't do this because we it'll make us independently wealthy and uh, and tycoons. We we do it because we love it and and we deeply care about the resource. So if you have a passion for the resource, if you love it, if you care about it, if you, if you want to introduce your kids and your grandkids to it, if you want to, you want them to carry on that passion and, and pass that down in your family, then, then really get involved, really learn it, take some time, approach it like your favorite place to fish with that same passion. And if everyone did that, we'd be in a good place. So Willie, you got anything to add? No, I think you nailed it. I think, as you've said, there are lots of opportunities to be engaged, either as a fly on the wall, providing public comment in meetings, or as you said, being part of advisory panels. We certainly try to let folks know when those opportunities arise, because there are a lot of them. You know, this is a, a public process, and it's important to engage yourself where, where you can. So with that, Tony, do you want to kind of keep reading through the rest of this question? And we'll, uh, we'll address Robert's other ideas and, and uh, concerns here. It gets into a little bit, you know, uh, Robert has a military background. It's not as in, in his nature to sit back and watch. Uh, he believes it's imperative to be part of the solution and rather the problem. That's excellent. So trying to regulate a slot limit or a moratorium on the 2015 year class is untenable in a short amount of time. Education, especially for the rec angler, has to be one of the most important aspects to assist in restoring a healthy population. That is correct, sir. 
So here's Robert's kind of last comment. How about we as fishermen attempt to encourage all anglers to adopt a one tag honor system for the season? In other words, let's educate the masses about the critical nature of the 2015 year class and then ask each angler to adopt an honor system to limit to only one fish a year, one keeper for the season in 2022, just one, an honor system. At the same time, let's continue the fantastic effort already underway to encourage catch and release. Finally, as rec anglers, we must continue to employ all the important best practices for healthy releases of striped bass. Um, and he says, you know, parenthetical, all species. He says, I wish us all the very best going forward and hope some common sense from the commission. Um, best regards, Robert Young. So, you know, Willie, you want to unpackage that really quick and, um, you know, hit some of the high notes here? Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a great question. And it's awesome to see somebody who's, you know, this engaged in the process and, and really wanted to help. And I think, you know, the answer, my answer to Robert's question is yes, all of it. I think, certainly, so much of our effort is focused on operating within the within the management system as it currently exists, right? Trying to get folks to engage on public comment. Um, and, you know, improving, improving data, other areas that kind of currently inform the management process. But I do think there's also a really important component that goes beyond regulations because you can only regulate so much. And I think trying to communicate to folks how they can be helpful outside of that regulatory process also has a place in the conversation. Um, you know, for example, you can't, I think Robert talks about uh, best practices for health, healthful release of striped bass. Some aspects of that you you can't regulate, right? You can't say you can't take this fish out of the water for for more than thirty seconds or something like that. I mean, sure you can say that, but those kinds of regulations are are not particularly enforceable. And so I think where there are opportunities to kind of change those social norms, we can really help complement the efforts that we're making at the at the regulatory scale as well. And I do think they work hand in hand, and hopefully um, can come together. To, to bring striped bass and other species back to where they need to be.